This is episode 113. We welcome you to the ADHD Smarter Parenting Podcast. Here to heal and elevate lives is your parenting coach, Siope Kinikini. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Eric Bjorklund. I'm the president of Utah Youth Village. Utah Youth Village is uh, who created Smarter Parenting. And Smarter Parenting is a division of Utah Youth Village. And I am just so pleased to be here with the incredible Siope Kinikini. You're too kind. You are so kind. <laughs> Smarter Parenting is such an amazing tool because we are looking forward to the future of how to reach out and to help families. I mean, this really is, if you think about what's been going on in the world, is the new frontier in reaching out to really help people and help families. So Eric had this in mind for years before and has actually made it happen through pure grit and uh, determination. Yeah, people are grateful to have Eric with us. Yeah, it's important that we share this message with the world. Because what we have learned is that the teaching family model is incredibly effective with all sorts of kids. And it's really good at helping parents know what more is it that they need to do to help a child whose challenges seem to be beyond their parenting capacity. And all of us have a certain, you know, reserve of parenting capacity, and it's all different for each one of us. As we struggle to know what to do with a child who seems to have exceeded our parenting abilities, the teaching family model delivers answers on a silver platter. And it just really helps out so clearly, so effectively. And I've learned that both for myself as a dad, where I've used the teaching family model, and especially as an administrator for the last 37 years at Utah Youth Village, where I've had a chance to help tens of thousands of children by using the teaching family model and their families and their parents and, and uh, their parents too yeah i'm, I'm kind of curious what was the what was it about the model bringing in the teaching family model to the utah youth village and helping all these people what was it about the model that really stuck out to you as this is the way we are going to move forward and help families and children well let me kind of go back to, to my mother who was the founder of Utah Youth Village. And in the late 1960s, she and some other women got together and decided there needed to be a program in Utah to to help troubled teenage girls because there were a few programs for boys, but there really wasn't anything for, for girls at the time. And they figured we needed to do something about that. And they got together and created a charity. And Utah Youth Village is a charity. And uh, for the next 25 years of my mother's life, Lila Bjorklund, she gave over full time to Utah Youth Village every week, and she never took a dime for it. It was completely as a volunteer. There are certain leaders here in Utah who referred to her as Utah's Mother Teresa. She was just amazingly giving and loving and very determined to provide resources to children. I remember one young lady that came in to us that I thought was a particularly bad girl, and I mentioned it to Lila. Boy, this girl's really bad. And she stopped me. She put her hand up. She said, Eric, there's no such thing as a bad girl or a bad boy. And what she was trying to suggest is everybody has potential. And you need to look at these kids from their potential. And yet the kids that we were getting, because we ran group homes, these were the kids from the state of Utah who blew through two or three foster homes in two or three weeks because their behaviors were so difficult. 
because they had often come from families of abuse and neglect. And so these kids had so many challenges that they exceeded the parenting capacity of the foster parents they were put with. And so they ended up in our group homes. And in 1975, we opened our first home, and we used what was then referred to roughly as the medical model. And what is the medical model? Well, you find what's wrong, and you fix it. And when you do that, you know, if, if, uh, if you have a virus, identify the virus and get something to kill the virus, and then you're going to be healthy again. That is the medical model. It works very well when you're dealing with the physical body. But it's exactly the opposite of how you want to work when you're working with someone's behaviors. If you're focused on what they're doing wrong, and that's what you're focused on correcting, you'll never get anywhere. What you have to think about and focus on are what are their strengths and how can I help them use their strengths to do what they need to do to learn the things they need to learn so that they can be more successful in the world. So the focus is more on where do we need to go as opposed to what's wrong. And so we started out with a medical model group home. And we ran that home for six years. And we thought we were pretty good. And it was in 1981 that the Taylors, who were a young couple, who had been involved in a project called the Achievement Place Project from the University of Kansas, And this project had been funded by over $20 million worth of research from the National Institute of Mental Health in the United States. Now think back in the late 1960s, $20 million of research. It's an enormous amount of research that occurred. That is a lot. And what they were doing with this research was trying to figure out how can we change the lives of really troubled kids as quickly as possible, as humanely as, a poss- as possible, as effectively as possible. And they became very effective at figuring that out. They approached this issue with the notion that parents spend the most time with kids. So rather than focusing on the therapist being the person who would create the change, they thought, why don't we have the person who's in the parental role create the change. So if a kid goes to see a therapist once a week, even once a day, who's with that kid for the other 23 hours of the day, you know, or the other how many hours of the week? Well, it's the parents. So the parents actually have way more capacity to create change if they have some direction or some idea how to do it. And so that's where they started out. They created a group home. And back in those days, a group home was a fairly new concept. And they put a married couple in the group home. And coincidentally, they put a set of graduate students from the University of Kansas who turned out to be incredibly gifted individuals. This is Lonnie and Elaine Phillips. And the worst boys in Kansas got put in their group home. And I'm not really exaggerating. These these boys had such incredible issues. Every single one of those boys got better rather quickly. And within a course of seven or eight months, they were dealing in school on a normalized basis, getting good grades. When they came in, they may have been out of school for a year or two. They would have had run-ins with the police. They were having all sorts of different kinds of issues. If you're talking in terms of ADHD, they were, you know, on a scale of 1 to 10. These are your 9 and 10 level ADHD kids. And we know how they deal with the public school system or differently said how the public school system doesn't deal with them. 
Yes. And, and within, yes. within six months to a year, the Phillips had managed to have these kids normalized in the public school system, working at a, a mainstream level and doing really well and proud of themselves and thinking, you know, they've got this. This is the kids thinking we've got this. And, and so a lot of this research was modeling what was it that Lonnie and Elaine Phillips were doing that seemed to be so incredibly powerful because they had almost 100% success rate with these kids. Now, the early researchers at the University of Kansas uh, were led by a professor called Mont Wolf. He's kind of a legendary behavioral researcher. It's amazing how many behavioral research projects will have some citation to Mont Wolf as you go through their articles that they've published, because he published so many fundamental things. He was the first one uh, to publish research on an academic basis proving that timeout works with kids. I mean, grandmas and moms have known this for centuries, but he was the first one to, to publish it and show academically that it worked. So he's an incredible pioneer. That group thought, you know, we've really got something here. So they tried to replicate it, and they, they uh, taught another couple what they thought they were, was the essence of the teaching family model. And this other couple actually didn't do well. And that caused them to start to compare the video footage from Lonnie and Elaine's home to the video footage in the other couple's home. They had uh, managed to put cameras in the common areas of, the, of the, the homes, and they had the graduate students back at the University of Kansas counting how many positive to negative interactions Lonnie and Elaine had, and how about this other couple? How, how did that do? And what were the first things that Lonnie and Elaine did, and when did they do it, and was their touch involved, and how often, what were the typical statements, and what were the way they would consecrate, what was the way that they foresaw what was going to happen and pre-teach to it. And they started counting all of this stuff in both environments. And out of that came the essence of what we know now as the teaching family model. And what they discovered is that Lonnie and Elaine were incredibly powerful at finding what these kids did well, even though these kids were the kids that most people would say did nothing well. Most people would think this is an awful, horrible kid, and they don't deserve any praise, and they don't really do anything well. Well, Lonnie and Elaine managed to find whatever it was that they could, that they could praise the kid for. And then they built on that. And then they managed to look ahead at what they knew that kid needed in order to learn to function well. And they, through this research, discovered certain basic skills that are common to successful family life. And for example, if you're in a family setting and everybody in the family follows instructions, generally, that family's going to get along well. People are going to look at that family generally and say that family's very successful. If you go to a family where instructions are rarely followed and only followed when there's a threat of violence or screaming or yelling um, or starvation or other kinds of horrible things that we hear about in the news, those are really dysfunctional families. And so they figured out the simple task of following instructions is a primary skill that's crucial to live in a family environment and get along with your family. 
And this isn't just following the instructions from the parents to the kids. It's also from the kids to the parents. It's from one parent to the other. Any of us who have kids can think of a normal day with our kids at home and realize there are hundreds of instructions going on between the kids and the parents and back and forth. And generally, when those instructions are reasonable and people have learned to get along, they follow those instructions. Now, there may be a skirmish here or there, but generally following instructions is an important skill. And so they figured out this is probably the most fundamental skill we need to teach a child who can't survive in a foster home because he's too disruptive. We get That kid needs to learn how to follow instructions so that he can survive in a foster home or back home, or he can learn to become cute and adorable so he'll become adopted. And the best way to do that is to see if we can't teach house parents, those are married couple who live in a group home, can we teach them how to act like Lonnie and Elaine Phillips? Can we, can we teach them to replicate, become clones of Lonnie and Elaine? And that was really the, the genius of the teaching family model. We're going to take the individuals who have the most raw amount of time dealing with this child whose behaviors exceed almost any normal per parent's capacity, and we're going to give them a set of um, approaches and skills that we learned from Lonnie and Elaine and some other ancillary research. And we're going to equip them with these new skills. And lo and behold, when you do that, you start to see the same outcomes that Lonnie and Elaine saw. So the teaching family model is almost dead opposite to the medical model. Whereas the medical yeah, model yeah. focuses on what's wrong and let's fix it, the teaching family model looks instead at what needs to happen and how can we teach it. Um, some of the interesting things that Lonnie and Elaine did that might seem counterintuitive certainly was counterintuitive back in the 1960s and 70s. Right. was that they were overwhelmingly positive. They praised the kids in their home eight times more than they criticized them. Now consider these were the worst boys in Kansas. <laughs> and how, do you, how, do you, how do you pull that off? How are you praising them? Well, it's because they were incredibly creative in finding things to praise them for. And they had the attitude of, I'm going to find what's right with this kid. The other thing they did is they looked... they. They pre-taught. It, it occurred to them quickly, this kid needs to learn how to follow instructions. I'm going to teach him how to do that right now before we get in a circumstance where he's going to decide whether he wants to follow instructions or not. Then when he does it, I'm going to catch him and praise him and reward him. And if he doesn't do it, I might give him a little consequence, but at the same time, I'm going to give him an opportunity to role play and practice doing it the way he really should. So they were really good at looking prospectively. They were, they were five, six, seven steps ahead of where this kid was going to go. And so uh, they were real thinkers in that regard. I found that really hard to do with my own kids. What do I need to teach them? <laughs> and my wife and I would look at each other and, God, this is hard. What? And that's one of the reasons why coaching with UCOPA is such an incredible blessing. 
Because when you sit down and you ask yourself, what do we, what does this kid need? Sometimes it can be really hard when you're in the middle of that forest, you know, and yeah. all you see are trees. And you get a coach, and the coach goes, okay, here's where you are. This is where we need to go. And by the way, the, yep. the research from the teaching family model will tell us that this is the skill that needs to be taught. This is how you need to teach it. Something else that Lonnie and Elaine did, which was just unbelievable, is they saw every behavior of these kids as a neutral circumstance. It wasn't a... Okay, explain that. Explain that. Yeah, it wasn't a power struggle. So if they ask the kid to do something, and the kid goes, I don't mind, I'm not going to do that. F you, you blah, 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 blah. Then rather than them getting all, you know, the veins coming out in their face and their hands on their hips, and you will because I say you will, rather than doing that, all of those swear words and the attitude from the kid, that was just a neutral circumstance. And so they learned to do something that they called observe and describe, which is, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to observe the behavior, and then I'm just going to describe it. I just ask you to do this. What you said was, you think blah, 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 and you think there's a blah, 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 and I'm an F and this and that and the other, and... Then you go on from there. And when when you get those kind of circumstances that used to make my veins bulge out and my blood pressure go up and I'd get so angry and upset, when instead I learned to approach those from uh, uh, the point of view of observe and describe, then I had to think. You can't do, yeah. you can't do observe and describe with visceral response. Because you, you have to think, okay, what's he doing, and how am I going to say this to him or her in a way that's not challenging and upsetting, but is calm. And to, you can't do that without staying calm. And, and so that's one of the magical things that Lonnie and Elaine figured out was you're always going to observe and describe what's going on rather than giving some sort of title to it or a label so you're going to ob- label to the behavior. Yeah, you're yeah. going to observe and describe what's going on rather than labeling it. What you just did was you yelled back at me and you said you're a blank blank and I'm not going to do this and you're an F and that. Well, that's observe and describe. Now, a lot of normal parents will say you're the most disrespectful kid and you're a horrible young man, you don't deserve anything and all these labels start coming out, you know? Um, and what the teaching family model does is it takes all of those labels and sets them off to the side, puts them on the shelf. Right. Those are mm-hmm. those are the relics of our old parenting, and we can pay homage right. to them. But they're no longer in our tool bag; they're sitting on the shelf. We're not going to put. We're not going to do labels anymore. What we're going to do mm-hmm. is just observe and describe. And it's amazing right. how it takes the fuel, the gas, out of the air. So that the sparks yes. aren't exploding. The sparks are just sparks. They just spark. They don't do anything but spark. Whereas in the past, when you had the air full of gas, boom, you had the explosions and you had yelling and back and forth. And sometimes you had hitting and physical violence. Teaching family model takes all of that old parenting, those old parenting strategies and says, you know, we're going to put you on the shelf. We'll pay homage to you. Once upon a time we used you, but not anymore. Now we're using this. So those are some of the interesting components mm-hmm. of the teaching family model. It's actually a very complex model, and I love how Smarter yes. Parenting has simplified it 
and made it usable for any parent who's willing to put in the time and the effort yep. to figure it out. And I especially love, Siope, how you are such a magnificent coach. What a, oh, you're so kind. Well, it's true. What, what a lot of people don't realize is that for 10 years, you worked in our family's first program here at Utah mm-hmm. Youth Village. And we sent you out to hundreds, maybe thousands of families, mostly referred to us by the juvenile courts in Salt Lake. You've seen your fair share of gang boys and all sorts of interesting yes, families. <laughs> and you yes, would go I into have. their home and you would spend six to ten hours a week with them in their home. And you would do that for six to 12 weeks with the family. There mm-hmm. were, that's an, a lot of time. And you learned how to be an ally, a friend to that parent. You learned how not to judge them. You learned that there's plenty of guilt to go around in parenting. <laughs> yes, and we, absolutely. We don't need to be adding any more guilt. No, no, not at all. And that's the love. That's what I love about the teaching family model. It just says, hey, look, we're all doing the best we can. Here's a bunch of research that can teach us how we can do better. Yeah. And so when you would go into a home, you would start on the agenda that the parent had. And the community may have judged that parent pretty harshly. The school systems almost always judge those parents harshly. Yes. What we discovered at Utah Youth Village in the Families First program was that parents do the best they can. And if you can help them do better and you can do it on their agenda, they're highly motivated to make changes. Even though other people may have harshly mm-hmm. judged them, they will make great changes and they'll see incredible success. It's really cool. They just have to do the work. And you saw that. Hundreds and hundreds of times. I have, actually. That's the beauty of being able to to do that. I mean, going into homes and observing, describing what's going on, it really does empower parents to be able to do it on their own. But it's that individualized focus going in and helping them individually, which is why coaching online is going to be helpful for parents who are listening to this podcast. They call in. We can individualize it to what's going on in your family and make it more powerful. Yes. Uh, in the way that you implement these things. Yeah. So you know, that's wonderful. That's absolutely wonderful. And, and one of the great gifts about that is realizing that when they talk with you, you're their ally. You're their friend. You're going to tell them how it is. You're going to talk straight yeah. with them. You're going to give it to them mm-hmm. the way it is. But you're not going to be judging. You're going to be helping. You're going to be in the framework that we're going to give you some more ways of coming at this. Um any, I think any parent, if they're willing to put in the time, can rise to the level of helping their child make great progress. Now, they may not turn their child into the mayor of the city or the, the, the star of the athletic team, you know, but that's not really what most parents are concerned about. They're, they're more, we want them to function like normal people and have some success yeah. in their life. Well, the teaching family model is brilliant at helping parents help kids do that. And so for the yeah. since 1981, Utah Youth Village, we've run group homes, we've run a foster care system, we've run Families First, which is our in-home system where we have 50-some-odd employees now who do just what COPE used to do, which is going into people's homes and using the teaching family model to help those parents 
raise their parenting abilities to the level of the kids who's, who are uh, pretty disruptive or difficult. Mm-hmm. And um, what our thought was as an agency, we should take this to the world. We should take this so that everyone in the world can understand the components of the teaching family model. Everyone can understand what did Lonnie and Elaine do and how could I use that to help me and my kids. And not only do we provide a website that shows all those basic skills, but we also provide you, a coach, that can help them know exactly how to do it in their own home. So that's cool. Yeah. You know, I love the idea of the teaching family model and spending the time. In the families that I've worked with in the past, you usually uh, approach and they want advice, and sometimes they want what is popularly known as a hack. They want a parenting hack. And hacks, the teaching family model is not that. This is something, this is work. This is real work. And at the same time, having somebody guide you along the process that's where you're going to have lasting change. Hacks only work for a minority part of the time, and they're not long-lasting. If you're going to do the work, you might as well spend the time doing something that absolutely works. So, you know, you got to do the work. You got to spend the time. And what I've been able to explain to a lot of parents through the coaching process is you're investing a lot of time up front, but you're going to reap rewards for the rest of your life. Huge. So... Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more about Teaching Family Model? That's how it came to the agency, but in what way has it affected you in your own life as a parent? Oh, wow. That's that's huge. Uh, Almost 1990. I had an eight-year-old son, ADHD. I remember as a family getting together in our living room for about 15 minutes and watching him do somersaults in his in his in the chair he was sitting in it was one of those overstuffed chairs and i think he did around 40 somersaults because he simply could not sit still he had no ability to sit still and he it was very hard for him to focus and although sometimes he would super hyper focus you know he would focus on things and it was like nothing else existed and at the time i thought this was an awful kid who was very troubled And it was at the same time Utah Youth Village had just hired a national expert on the teaching family model to come teach us how to do the teaching family model. When I came in as the executive director in 1986, I decided we need somebody who really knows this inside and out, and we need to become nationally certified. And so we hired Tom Waite, and Tom was a national expert. And I remember going sitting down with Tom and saying, this is my awful kid. How can I fix this boy? He's, he's got real problems. And it was then that Tom suggested to me I needed to praise him four times as much as I was criticizing him. And I tried that for a couple of days, came back to Tom and said, I can't do this. this is, I'm just phony. This kid doesn't deserve any praise. Yeah, and so as a dad, I was deep into anger and criticism as my parenting strategies. And I know that there's some parents listening to us who are now where I was then, um, who are really good at figuring out what their kids are doing wrong and trying to figure out how they can punish that kid so severely that that kid will become a good kid. And, and I used to think that. I used to believe it, that if the more I point out to this boy how bad he is, it will make him a good kid. Now, as I say it now, that sounds like so stupid. Like, how are you going to teach somebody to be good by teaching them how bad they are? I mean, come off it. 
But I was so deep in the forest, couldn't see it. And so Tom convinced me I really needed to do this. And not only that, he just kind of came up. He didn't physically come in my face, but he, he challenged me. He said, okay, Eric, step up. You can do a lot better. And not only do I want you to do this, but I want you to keep track of your positive to negative interactions with this boy and report to me every day how, how you're doing. Whoa. So I started doing that. And, and I, all I can tell you is in three weeks, my relationship with that boy had completely, totally changed. And he changed. And on another podcast, I'll go through the details of how that happened. But I will tell you that that component of the teaching family model of what the early researchers found from Lonnie and Elaine Phillips, um, that that changed profoundly the way I parented. It changed profoundly the way my kids think of me now to this day. So this is about 32 years ago. They, they think very differently of me than they would have had I stayed on that critical path. The other really important thing is that boy has grown up to be super successful. He's a dad of four kids. He has an incredible loving relationship with his wife and his children. Had I stayed on the war path against that kid, who knows where he would be or if he'd even still be alive. He'd probably be on drugs somewhere. Doing, I think I could have driven him away from my wife and I so easily. And the teaching family model gave us a completely different route to take with him. And even with my other kids, we have introduced all of the components of the teaching family model. And universally, they have loved it. Now, at the time, they might have thought it was difficult. But within a few months, they would acknowledge that, oh, this is a lot better. We're getting along a lot better. Things are a lot better. I'm able to do what I want to do a lot better, a lot more often than I used to. Um, so the teaching family models made a huge difference in my life personally. Um, and, and running an agency, we're pretty much the largest child welfare agency in Utah and the oldest child welfare agency. And we also run Alpine Academy, which takes kids from all over the world, teenage kids, for, who are privately placed in Alpine Academy. And that's an um, elite school, boarding school. And in, in each of these settings, the teaching family model has allowed us to really make a difference in these kids' lives. The mission of Utah Youth Village is to heal and elevate lives using successful family strategies. And the teaching family model is a successful family strategy that we use. And it helps us heal and elevate lives. And it's not just the kids, it's the parents. I can't tell you how often... There are marriages that are saved by families referring kids to us. And then in the process of going through and learning the model, the parents start figuring out, well, I can follow instruction. You know, I can do this. I can do that. And I can do things just like the model teaches in my marriage. And it makes a big difference there. So we've been so exceptionally pleased with the outcomes. There was a time in the state of Utah, and this is quite a few years ago, but they were keeping track of how well um, children in group homes move to a less restrictive setting. So for people where that doesn't make a lot of sense, a group home is a fairly restrictive setting. A psych unit in a hospital is a much more restrictive setting. 
a less restrictive setting would be a foster home, and yet further less restrictive would be a home, like the kid going back to their own home or being adopted. So if you're in the child welfare business where you run group homes, you want kids to go to less restrictive settings. And to the extent that you're able to have most of your kids go that direction, it's seen as a success. There was a time in the state of Utah where they actually tracked that amongst the different providers of this service, and we had twice the success rate of the average of all the other providers. And that was a result of the teaching family model. It wasn't that we were any smarter or that we loved kids more. They all, we all love kids. We're all doing the best we can. It's just that we had been blessed by my mother Lila's decision to adopt the teaching family model as the primary treatment modality for Utah Youth Village. And it's very successful. In the family's first program that you worked with, COPE, we use a test called the YOQ test. And it's a fairly well-known test in the child welfare world that tests basically the behaviors of a kid. And the scores on this test are like golf. The lower your scores, the better you're doing. And so kids who are in the families referred to our Families First program have fairly high scores that would suggest these kids maybe should be in residential treatment, something like a group home or or a residential treatment center. And after the Families First program has helped those parents learn the teaching family model, those kids drop two deviations or two clinical um, marks um, in, in scores. They, so they're improving roughly about 27 to 28 points. And that is really amazing because what, what we do in this program is mainly oriented at parents. And as the parents use it, notice that the, that the behaviors of the children are dramatically impacted. They really make a difference. And so the message that we've got to the world, that we want the world to hear is, if you'll listen, if you'll involve COPE, if you look at the website, if you'll do the work, it will work. And your kid's behavior will get better. Some people, it's going to happen in weeks. Other people, it's going to happen in six, eight months. You know, and so much of that depends on uh, do you have adopted kids who are abused and neglected and, and are they do they have extreme dysfunctional behaviors? Well, you know, we can help those kids be normal. And we, we've seen that thousands of times where those kids become normal. They become successful in life. They become good parents. They do fairly well in school. They, at least they get through basic um, high school and junior high. And then they tend to do really pretty good in college or tech school or professional schools. We see great outcomes with these kids based on what the parents are doing. Those really difficult kids take longer. Well, duh. And the kids who may seem like they're hopeless to a set of parents but, but aren't as difficult as maybe the typical child welfare kid we deal with, <laughs> they, they can change much quicker. And what's interesting is it's not only the parent who loves that because the kid is doing well and all of this work that they're doing now by learning the model and investing it, wow, does it pay off later? Because then they kind of can grow on cruise control. 
They don't have to do a lot from then on. It tends to take care of itself. Not only does the parent love it, but the kids love it. You know, kids love it when the home is working well. The kids love it when the parents are in control and reasonable and loving and kind. They love that. Um, Even though they may fight tooth and nail initially, (laughs) as you implement some of the things that the teaching family model teaches, they soon figure out, wait, this is a lot better. You know, if I can learn to follow instructions like I have, wow, this is better. Our family gets along so much better. I'm not wasting all that time yelling and screaming and arguing that I used to. Most kids don't even think about how much time they waste in arguing with their parents. Once you point out, like the teaching family model would point out, you know, if you're not arguing with me, you could be playing video games. Right. Oh, uh, really? It never occurred to the kid. You, you mean I could be doing that instead of arguing? Oh, well, maybe I want to do that instead. You know, um, just it's so interesting how uh, the teaching family model is so creative. And what a blessing it's been. Yeah, I agree. Changing the lives. It's a, it's a huge blessing. And that's one of the things that I emphasize, especially here on the podcast, is the power of the teaching family model because it's a complete system. I mean, we're offering you these skills as tools, but they all come together in one pretty much a package that you are able to use consistently instead of trying to choose different thoughts and ideas and different ways of managing your children's behavior it's all packaged so nicely and it's consistent yes um one of the comments that consistently come up are parents who disagree on parenting and what i say is well your children are different than you and you need to you need to find what works for your family but the teaching family model gives you all of that it gives you that structure and that ability to move forward and let's do it differently let's do it differently than both of you and bring it together so you're working in harmony with each other. So that's, that's right. what I love about the teaching family right. model. It's so powerful. That's great. So is there any other parting words of wisdom that you want to share? <laughs> you're, you're very kind to think I have any wisdom at all. I do have experience, and my experience has taught me the teaching family model works. It works well. The yes. people who are going to love these podcasts are the people who are maybe fed up with the quick fixes who really want to see a difference and are saying to themselves, okay, if this works, I'll do what it takes. And for them, I promise it will work. And it, it, the, the speed with which it will work will depend on how much time you spend and the extent to which you're willing to get a coach involved. Because the, the coach is the game changer. I can tell you that when I got a pro involved in helping me parent, my ADHD son who was at the time seemed to me on a scale of one to 10 was a easily a nine. He was just driving me crazy. When I, when I got a pro involved, it was a matter of weeks and that all changed. Uh, and, and it was by doing things that were totally contrary to what I would have suspected. I was doing things that were completely counterintuitive to what I thought I needed to do. You know, because I thought the way I could change this young man was through power and through criticism and through assertiveness and aggressiveness and causing myself to be upset and mad and angry. And the teaching family model taught me, no, the way to change this young man is to pre-teach, teach him what you want, catch him doing it right, 
praising him. Think ahead of the predicaments he's going to get in and teach him beforehand what you want him to do. And be kind and be loving and be tenacious in getting him to do what he needs to do. And there's a whole bunch of ways you can do that without ruining your relationship with him and without ever having to get angry. I love it. Uh, Siope, you're an incredible blessing to the world. Thank you for what you do. And uh, and people should be listening to everything you say on these podcasts. I think you're incredible. I want to thank you, actually. So Utah Youth Village sponsors uh, Smarter Parenting. We are a division of uh, Utah Youth Village, which has been so generous over the years in supporting this and helping us reach out to families around the world. And so sign up for coaching. Let's individualize this and let's stop doing the parenting hacks that you're thinking are going to work. And let's actually take some time to use what works because your children are worth the investment. That's it for me, and I'll see you next time.